some ideas, but... Okay. Okay, well, I'll figure that out. Um, but okay, without further ado, I guess, let's just kind of dig right into it. So, right. um, hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode of What We're Watching. I'm your host, Aaron Morden. And so basically, uh, a little premise about this show for all our new time listeners. Basically, the idea of this show is that I love all things, you know, pop culture, entertainment, TV, films, comic book, all that bunch of stuff. I love it. I'm a huge fan. And so I have a great opportunity here to host a show and host a podcast about all this sort of stuff. So basically what I do is I have a chill, relaxed conversation with my friends, family, and people who share my passions for all this sort of stuff. And so, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really excited. So also, this is your spoiler warning. So for um, my guests and I will usually cover topics that, you know, have been spoiled, that have already gone out there. So we'll discuss the plot sometimes. Um, we may not, or we may. Um, but if we're talking about something that you don't feel comfortable, that you haven't seen yet, please feel free, jump ahead the episode, rejoin us, and come back to us when we're covering something that you've talked, when you've seen before. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's dive into this. Um, so without further ado, let me introduce my guest this week. Uh, my guest is Beck Patusek. Say hi, Beck. Hi. Uh, welcome to What We're Watching. I'm really glad to have you on the show. So, um, for all our listeners out there, can you please tell us a little about yourself? <clears throat> Not much to tell. I'm uh, a guy who likes movies. Mm -hmm. I uh, got into movies kind of my, uh, actually, after my senior year of high school, so mm -hmm. like the last like two years, I started a movie club on Bradley. Mm -hmm. You're um, the president, right? Yep. 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 So, uh, <laughs> that's been a good time. You should all... Go. If you're listening to this on Bradley's campus, you should all join and go see and be a part of the movie club because it is awesome. So <laughs> it, it's called a club, but it's not like something you have to officially join or anything. It's just a, it's just a way for us to screen movies for people who want to show up. Mm -hmm. It's Monday at seven thirty on uh, well on Mondays <laughs> in the Marty Theater. In nice. The Marty. Yeah. So what made you like get into movies? You said it only happened like in your senior year of high school. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, what happened was uh, pretty memorable for me. Um, my On my 18th birthday, my parents gave me this like little box of movies, and there were like six movies in it. Yeah. And one was uh, Forrest Gump, and one was <laughs> Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and one was uh, Million Dollar Baby, and one was the Warner Brothers Time Served Collection, <laughs> which is a bunch of movies about prison yeah. from Warner Brothers. It's such a strange <laughs> collection, I think. But that sounds like a good place to start. But, and then... And then, uh, I don't know if this was all of them, but, and then it hit Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And my parents were like, you've never seen Pulp Fiction, right? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no. And they're like, you've got to see it. It's a classic. Yeah, of course. It, so, uh, so we watched it and I was so blown away. I just, <laughs> I just loved the world of that movie. Oh yeah. And like, I really, that really pulled me into it. I wanted to know everything about it. And then, uh, just from there, I just, you know, got f fell in love <laughs> with film as a, as the medium of art in general. Of course. So I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, so I completely yeah. agree. I've been obsessed with his work for a long time. He's a great artist. I love it. So I'm just curious for you didn't really you said you didn't really get into it until this time, but had you not like watched movies before or had you not really been exposed to this sort of world before or I, I always watched movies, but I I never was nearly as passionate about mm -hmm. it before, you know. That's totally understandable. I know for me, I've stayed on this podcast before that I've enjoyed, like, television and stuff like that since I was a little kid, but I didn't really get into it until, like, God, I think it was my freshman or sophomore year of high school where I just started watching the show Boardwalk Empire, and that's what mm -hmm. really sparked my, my enthusiasm. What? My dad just started watching It's a great yeah. show. I love it. It's yeah. so one of my favorites. But because I watched that show, that opened a whole new door of like movie, I mean, TV shows to me. And so then right. that's when I 
really started getting into entertainment, pop culture, and just became obsessed with it as a whole. Like, it always been a part of my life, but this one I oh, decided, yeah. like, I'm really going to go for it, you know? So, I'm just curious. What's your major here at Bradley? English. Okay. So, what made you want to go for that major? And why not something like TV arts, for example? I guess just because I didn't really know what I want to do, mm-hmm. and I still don't really... Well, I, I don't know what I want to do with my degree, really. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm being honest with myself, just like every kid wants to be oh, a yeah. rock star, I want <laughs> to be a filmmaker. You know, I want to work in film. Yeah. So, uh, that's my goal, and, you know, that's what I'm trying to work towards now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what what kind of movies do you want to make in the future? <laughs> I know it's a general... It's a very big question, but do you yeah. kind of have, like, a goal or a dream you really want to achieve by creating these films? Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess I, uh, hmm. Let me think about <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot here. No, that's fine. No, it's, that's a, I'm glad I get to answer this question <laughs> because I don't really talk to people about this, you know? Um, I don't know. I guess to me, art, I, I see art as kind of synonymous with, like, love. Yeah. Like, I see, and, you know, it sounds really, like, esoteric, but, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to be, like, really philosophical or something just like to me like the way i see art is art is like taking this love and giving it form and making it a thing that Mm -hmm. other people can then take part in and share with you so i guess i just want to embody that that's awesome that sounds incredible like i completely agree to me art and like of course storytelling is like one of the best parts of life is to be able to share these amazing creations with other people and bring them all together you know so i completely agree i completely support you that sounds fantastic so why english then in particular why did you choose that major (laughs) no good reason just because i was like oh you know why uh i I know i want to do something that's related to art Mm -hmm. but i can't play music and i can't paint so i guess i'll just i can read though so i can just be an english major no understandable so so yeah. do you want to write your own scripts then i'm assuming or do you want to yeah. focus on like director okay right yeah I, I to me like in my mind i know i just don't understand it because i'm not you know i haven't really ever written like a really mm-hmm. true story uh like to me, I just can't understand how you could write something and then, like, mm-hmm. like, if I wrote something, I would have my vision of how I want it to look. Yeah. And, you know, I could give it to another director and they would make it look good, but they wouldn't make it look the way I wanted it to look. It's not yours, then. I mean, yeah, you can... it's... I have a part in it, but it's, yeah, it's yeah. not really as much mine, mm-hmm. nearly, yeah. Yeah, so I would want to um, write and direct, but, you know, I'd be happy to work in anything in the film industry. Of course, completely understand. Yeah. <laughs> I know you mentioned Quentin Tarantino and like Pulp Fiction stuff like yeah. that. Do you model your sense of like filmmaking and like your own kind of filmmaking off these kind of writer directors? You know, someone like Quentin Tarantino. Auteurs. Auteurs. Good, I, good, 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 yeah. good for it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know much about auteur theory, <laughs> but I'm inclined to think that it's like, I don't know, misguided. I have a distrust of critics. <laughs> I think critics. Uh, uh, what's Kill to digest, not mm-hmm. di- not digest. Uh, what's the word? Uh, dissect. Yes, Kill there you to go. Dissect. Yes. Or murder to dissect. I think mm-hmm. is the term. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have a teacher who put it super well. He he was talking about how he thinks, and I totally agree with this. And I, it, he thinks the reason that kids hate poetry and that kids think poetry is dumb and think it's just like something for, you know, artsy people mm-hmm. or whatever is because. It's killed for them, 
when they're young. They're mm -hmm. introduced to poetry not as something that's fun and enjoyable, but as something that is academic and you must study. And mm -hmm. there's a there's a right answer, and you've got to look through it and find the right answer. Mm -hmm. And this guy, he's a really amazing teacher. He's a writer, too. His name is Kevin Stein. He calls it the Where's Waldo of meaning. Hmm. And I think that's... I think that actually goes even further than he realizes. I think people analyze art too much. Mm -hmm. but So you think yeah. something where it's like film or TV, you know, it, it gets to a point where it's not as critically digested, you mean? So like as we get older in life, something like film or TV is something that we just kind of enjoy as we get older in life less than uh, dissect, you mean? or I, I guess just in, okay, I guess in my mind, there's... I, in my mind, thinking and feeling are totally different things. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what it is. And, like, I definitely like to talk about movies. Like I, Of course. I, I that's, why you're, you. that's why I have you on my and, podcast. You know, yeah, you know, and, like, like to think, what do, you, what do you think of this? Oh, I disagree. I think this about this. But, like, I think a lot of people, the purpose is to find the meaning. Mm -hmm. Whereas, I, I think when you're watching the movie, you should just, as someone once put it, uh, let it wash over yeah. you. Of course. Yeah, just take it in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, so for something like poetry, then that's more about the purpose is to like academically break down, understand what this means, while something like film is to enjoy and then you know dissect no, later. No, what I'm saying is that people are misguided in mm -hmm. telling kids and anyone that that's what they should do with poetry, and that's why people don't like poetry. Mm -hmm. okay. it, whereas if they introduce poetry as some to kids as something which is fun and to enjoy, then I think kids wouldn't hate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you, do you have a background in poetry at all? Did you like grow up writing a whole lot of stuff when you were young or? No. Okay. No. So you don't like, so you haven't like written a whole lot yet per se? Not, I, I write little bits occasionally, but uh, not very much. Okay. Yeah. I'm no writer. <laughs> well, it's okay. You got a whole life. We all got a life ahead of us. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll discover ourselves and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. Well, I know well, for our listeners out there, Beck and I only <laughs> met, you know, a few weeks ago. And when I first met him, I noticed that in his dorm room, he had a poster of this film called Anomalisa. And for me, I was so shocked and so surprised because I love that movie Anomalisa because when I was out in L.A. and I got to do the L.A., the Hollywood semester here at Bradley University, shout out to Bradley University, last semester, and while I was there, one of my professors was a man named James Fino, who is a executive producer at the company called Starburns Industries, which is the product is the company that created Anomalisa and did all the animation for it. And so he was an executive producer on the film, and he actually got our class, which he was teaching, into a screening of Anomalisa for the Producers Guild. And so I got to see this movie before it was wide released. I got to, you know, meet Duke Johnson and, Char and Charlie Kaufman, and it was an absolutely amazing experience just being there, seeing this film, and I fell in love with it. So can you please, I've hardly ever met anybody who knows this film. Please tell me, how, how'd you get into it? Well, I saw Charlie Kaufman's previous film, Synecdoche, mm -hmm. New York, which I think, I, it's, it's naive of me to say this because I, you know, I've seen a lot of movies, but I haven't seen nearly all <laughs> movies. But it's hard for me to imagine that a, a more important movie has been made than Synecdoche, New York. Really? Yeah. Because to me, I think, like, a lot of a lot of really good movies, any really good movie, deals with something that's important. But I think Synecdoche, New York, deals with the most basic universal struggles of being human mm -hmm. in such an important way that I think everyone should watch it. 
So, so for all the listeners out there who don't really know like the plot of it, understand? Could you please clue them in? Well, I I know it probably I, might be a bit hard to explain. I, I, but. I usually think people should go into a movie knowing nothing about it, but I mean, I'll I'll say that it's it stars um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who mm-hmm. as always is amazing, and he plays this playwright, mm-hmm. and uh, basically it's about him and his life is just falling apart, and he's trying to make this huge play that will be ultimate truth. Yeah. Sounds incredible. I'm not going to lie. I do need to watch a lot more of Charlie Kaufman's work because I haven't. Anomalisa was really like my first kind of exposure to him. So by seeing this film, or Synecdoche in New York, um, how did that lead you to Anomalisa? Did it just, you just stumble upon it? or? Well, I mean, when I see a movie and I think it's amazing, I follow that director <laughs> because I, I know he's going to make something else that's amazing. Yeah. And I was right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So did you see it in the theaters, or did you find yeah, it online? Okay. I actually saw it twice in theaters. That's fantastic. I mean, like, what what did you think of it on your first reaction of it? I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very biased, because <laughs> I just love stop motion. In oh, yeah. It, it could have been a terrible movie, and I would have still loved it just because I love stop motion. <laughs> but no, it was, it was great. And I didn't get this to the full extent when I watched it, but later, as I thought about it more and more, I realized how... Personally, it is relevant to me in my life. Oh, really? You know, and it, and I really, it really affected me. And actually, like you know, brought a new perspective on how I look at myself and how I treat people, and or how I think about people, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, for all of you who don't know what the film Anomalisa about, basically, Anomalisa is the story of a man who is kind of. It's implied that he kind of has this compulsion of this disease or some kind of mental thing where he kind of perceives the world and everybody as the same person with the same same face same sounding voice and he is basically this author and he perceives the world as basically everybody and he longs to basically find a new voice find a new face find somebody who is different than the sea of the same faces and he stumbles upon this woman named lisa and basically, they fall in love, and they have this wonderful little affair, and it's a wonderful story, and it's absolutely incredible. And it's all done in this beautifully rendered stop motion, and it's absolutely incredible. While we were at the presentation, they actually brought out the little figures they did for the stop motion. And it was just amazing to see how like these things were brought to life, like just moving it every little bit every so often. And it was absolutely gorgeous film. I loved it i was so happy for it and i really enjoyed it so i mean beyond than just what you said about like that you fell in love with that you really enjoyed it what did you really what else did you think about the film like what i know it's something that's so different and exciting as a film so can you tell something about that like like how i related to oh it yeah right? sure um well actually maybe i shouldn't because if anyone's actually going to watch it then like, <laughs> I, I don't want to i don't want to put perceptions of the movie in their mind yeah. before they watch it and well i mean I put, the, their... I put the spoiler warning out there if you want to discuss it <laughs> but that's fine if we don't have we don't have to sure just just i felt like i related to the problems of the main character and mm-hmm. you know what it what the movie does is it it like illustrates you know his his troubles and but also kind of like sheds light on how it's kind of how it could be solved mm-hmm I don't want to go into more detail. No, no problem. Don't worry about it. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm just curious then, um, what other works of uh, Charlie Kaufman have you seen besides just Schenectady and Anomalisa? It's actually Synecdoche. It's, I'm a, so, it's, a, it's a pun. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm so sorry. I don't know how to pronounce this thing. I am terrible well, at this. Well, here's what it is. The city, the real city in real life is Schenectady, mm-hmm. it, it, which is actually in New York, and that's also where the movie takes place. Mm-hmm. But the movie is, and the, there's a different word. Totally unrelated, which is synecdoche. Okay. Which synecdoche means when a part stands for a whole. Mm-hmm. Like in grammar, or maybe it's not grammar, but in the in the English language, in the English language, if you say you got some new wheels, what you really mean is you got a new car, mm-hmm. and that's a synecdoche because the part stands for the whole. Okay. But it also just means any part that is representative of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So. It, it, Synecdoche, New York is just a pun on Schenectady. Okay. See, Schenectoche, I, I, I am yeah. so uncultured when it comes to that yeah. sort of stuff, but it just completely flew over my head. Which is why I need to watch this film, because it'll definitely clue me in to all this sort of stuff. If there's only one movie I could recommend to anybody, it's Synecdoche, New York. Okay. <laughs> that's, and that's, that's, I mean that. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, so I know when we met, we went over some other films that you had kind of seen before. Um, so... I know we mentioned auteurs as well, but I know we kind of discussed Wes Anderson. So yeah. he's another another auteur director yeah. that I really really enjoy. What work of his have you seen? Everything but Rushmore. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. I, I have Rushmore sitting on my desk right now. And <laughs> Is the next one on your list or on my list of movies to watch? Mm-hmm. No, I'm actually not really feeling like it for okay. some reason, but I I will soon because I want to have seen every Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. <coughs> no. Uh. I adore Wes Anderson. I I liked him before, but recently I'm really, really, really loving him because my uh, my friend, my friend's roommate, or I mean he's also my friend, but my <laughs> very close friend's roommate yeah. has this book of Wes Anderson that's just interviews and a bunch of really gorgeous screenshots from the movie and uh, behind the scenes things and it's and. You know, it's a big love letter to Wes Anderson, and he lent it to me, and I was looking through it, and I just went through, I watched two Wes Anderson movies that I had never seen before, which, mm-hmm. at the time, which were The Darjeeling Limited and The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, I love Wes Anderson so much. <laughs> the biggest thing is how just visually gorgeous Oh yeah, every so work of art of his is it's just this individually creative, beautiful masterpiece. Like, every screenshot is a masterwork of art. Yeah, now. yeah, the, the, uh, my scr- my wallpaper on my computer right now is the shot from Moonrise Kingdom, where uh, where um, Susie is standing on I don't I don't know if it's a lighthouse or what it is I think it's a lighthouse yeah. the way it looks and she's looking at the through the binoculars yeah. and I love that shot oh the the, the orangish like pe- almost peachy kind of orange of her dress and then uh, like the 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 typical Wes Anderson uh, symmetry yeah. And then something that is a little less obvious is that the background is a painted background. Really? Yeah. It, and he uses he uses that quite often. He mm. uses he always uses practical effects when he can. I'm sure he's used CGI, CGI before, at some but... point, but like almost always it's practical effects. It's miniatures and, oh, yeah. and stop motion. He loves his miniature. <laughs> like like for instance in Moonrise Kingdom when uh, the well, I guess spoiler alert. When the uh, church floods <laughs> mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, that's a miniature. Yeah, that's not CGI. And you know, he the way he said it, he, he said this in that book in that interview, and I and he said, uh, well, you know, whatever choice of special effects you're gonna have, 
it, you're going to be able, you're going to see that it's a special effect. So you can either see that it's CGI or you can see that it's a miniature. And mm -hmm. I'd rather see that it's a miniature. I love that. I love effects like that that mm -hmm. aren't necessarily the most realistic, but are just pretty like that. Like stop motion is the biggest example, but oh, painted yeah. backgrounds and yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's like it, a little bit of the the art of the film shows through. Oh yeah, and that's just really beautiful to me. I think that, like, whenever an artist puts a lot of heart and soul into a film, it can really be seen, you know? Yeah. It can be, any artist can create, you know, a CGI giant wave or whatever, or robots fighting each other. You could do that. But if you spend hours upon hours creating, you know, a tiny little town, trying to get every little detail yeah. right, like, that kind of passion and enthusiasm for your work. Exactly. It really comes through. And like you said, like, with Fantastic Mr. Fox was another Wes Anderson movie. Like, the little, all the detail that is put into all the animals, all yeah. the house, everything. And it's stop motion on top of that. So they have yeah. to move every little bit. It takes days second. to film minutes of film. Exactly. And so, like, something like that really shows how much love was put into yeah. a, a piece of art, you know? Yeah, that's why I love Wes Anderson, because it's so... There's so much just love of in every movie. Yeah. He loves his craft without yeah. without question. Yeah. What <laughs> what was Anderson movies have you seen? I have only seen well. My first exposure to him was with Moonrise Kingdom, and that was just I don't know why at the time I had seen a trailer for it, and I thought that looks good. That looks like an interesting movie, but because it was you know relatively small when it came out, I didn't. It wasn't playing in the local cinema. So huh. when I was going to go visit colleges with my father, I ended up visiting this college called Northwestern University, which is in Evanston, Illinois, and one of the things they have there is like a. Is it Cinemark Theater? And one of their things was Cine Arts, and so yeah. they had like more indie films showing. So that yeah. was one of like the few theaters in the local area that was playing that film. So while I was checking out the university, I said, "Hey, Dad, let's go see this movie," because I didn't get a chance to otherwise. So we went to go see it, and I fell in love with it. That was my first introduction to Wes Anderson. It was mine and, too, actually. Exactly. And Moon yeah. Eyes is such a good movie. It's I, my favorite of his. I completely agree. It, there's something about it that is so childlike and wonderful and yeah. it's the story of this just this young love happening and I, it's I think great. it's so beautiful yeah yeah i i really just love this the love story of children <laughs> you know and uh yeah it's, it's so innocent you know it's so pure it's, it's so yeah it's just so so beautiful to me it's so real and yeah i don't know it just captures that it's yeah it captures that just hold that the, the, yeah. the magic it really does capture the magic of that yeah. young love yeah, and it's great. So that was my first introduction to Wes Anderson, and from there I ended up seeing what was it? The Grand Budapest was my other one right. because that was a huge one that became really popular recently. And I was at a film class a couple semesters ago, and our professor, another big Wes Anderson fan, said, "You know, we're gonna watch this movie because every week we'd watch a movie, and so that was the movie that we watched for that week." And it, I think that was it right after it got nominated for those Oscars, so. Yeah, we decided to watch that. It was so, oh my god, it was beautiful. Again, with all the yeah. miniatures and all the craft that went into creating the hotel, the sets, the costumes, everything the mountains. Everything gorgeous. Exactly, everything about it is a visual masterpiece. And the story was so compelling and so well-crafted. Like, I love the idea of, like, the story within a story within a story within a story. Yeah. Because, um, for our listeners out there, if you haven't seen this movie, basically, it's framed as... I think it's a little girl reading a book of a man 
telling his life story in an interview to <laughs> another person and like reading a book. Like, I, I, like it's ridiculously so in detail how far it goes down. I didn't really even think about that because it's, it starts off with the girl in like the, Going to the graveyard in the graveyard yeah. and she's reading the book, which is about a man who goes to the Grand Budapest Hotel, right? Who and then about and then he's yeah. re- then he's reading. Oh, then he's interviewing the bellboy, right. and the bellboy is telling the story about his manager from the hotel. <laughs> right. And there's just so many layers going on. There's like a box within a box within a box. Yeah. And it's so fascinating. And like that's what I think Wes Anderson really does best, is these little quirky, fantastic masterpieces. Yeah, I, I love him. He's absolutely one of my favorite filmmakers ever, without question. <laughs> the Grand Budapest Hotel has my favorite shot of any movie ever. Really? Yeah, it's a it's a very standout shot, I think, and I think you'll remember it when I describe Probably. it. Probably go for it. It's when lobby zero. It's mm-hmm. when zero the the lobby boy go and Agatha, you know, his sweetheart. <laughs> they go to the carnival, and actually, first before I say what, what the shot is, I think that that is such a that's that to me is the most beautiful part of the movie. Not yeah. that one scene, but the, the the thing between zero and Agatha because it's so understated, yeah. but it's so real. It's you know, very, very sweet. Agatha has like two lines in the movie, maybe. Does she even speak at all? I, she may not. I can't even remember. I think you may be right. I don't know if she says you know, anything. She probably does. I don't Maybe. She probably she says something. Because I know at one point it fakes out, spoiler alert, it thinks that she's been killed. And so, like, I think she says something, if I remember correctly. But I don't know. But go on. You yeah, were saying? Yeah, I, I actually don't even remember it that well. I've only seen it once and it was, I don't know, not that long ago, but... Yeah, and the, and uh, I think the love between those two is just so beautiful. And there's this scene, and it's really the only scene that's devoted to just yeah. them, that just them and their love and their personal connection. And the, and that's that's part of what makes it so beautiful, I think. And that they they, uh, they go to the carnival, and the and she goes on the merry-go-round, and there's this one shot of her of just her face with all the merry-go-round, the car- carousel lights just turning behind her, yeah. and and. Just that shot and the way her face and like her her expression is just like her expression of like love and innocence and I don't know how to say it but it's just so beautiful to me and no. it's for the last like several months since like late last year I've had this idea for the, a movie that I want to make and mm-hmm. I think about it every day and I think the best way to describe what I want for that movie is to you know, rather than just saying it's about this in this time period, you know, is uh, that I want to do with that movie what that shot did yeah. for me. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great way to put it. That sounds incredible. <laughs> so, I mean, like other, I mean, clearly I don't have the breadth of Wes Anderson knowledge as you, but you mentioned something like Fantastic Mr. Fox, which yeah. you've seen. Can you please tell our audience about that? What oh, was your reaction man. to that? Well, first of all, like I said, the biggest reason I love it is actually well the two Wes Anderson because you know it's it's, it's Wes Anderson yeah it's Wes Anderson <laughs> and then the other big reason is that I I love stop motion yeah. and it's you know I'm tempted to call it claymation every time but it's technically not it's not clay so yeah. it's not claymation it's stop motion and in case you don't know you probably know but stop motion just means the method of filming where you take something that's typically a miniature and take individual shots for each frame, mm-hmm. moving it a little bit each time to simulate motion. Mm-hmm. And uh, it used to be way more common than it is now. Like you would, you, like uh, the old Christmas specials, Rudolph. Oh and, yeah. Uh, 
it, that's that's like probably the most well-known use of stop motion. And but you know, special effects used to always be stop motion, and now you don't really ever see it because the CGI is mm-hmm. just more realistic looking. But unless you're watching a Wes Anderson movie, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, Fantastic Mr. Fox is a stop motion movie that's based on the Road Doll book. Mm-hmm. That's uh really I really love Road Doll. I think he's such a great children's writer and such a great writer in general. And, uh, you know, it takes this short story and fleshes it out so much more. And it's about this fox who is a retired chicken thief. <laughs> he steals chickens from farmers. And, uh, because it's, and because it's dangerous work, his wife makes him promise to stop. And then uh, he's too tempted and he goes back into it. And it's mm. about that. He wants to do the one last heist. <laughs> the, 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 that one last cliche. job, and then I'm the out. One last job, and then I'm out. Exactly. The yeah, yeah. But uh, it's he's played by George Clooney, and uh, he's such a George Clooney character. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, you've seen it. I've only seen bits and pieces of it, but yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's everything I've seen or read or heard anything about it is a, this beautiful masterwork of just you know complete. Stop motion, Wes Anderson goodness, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's it sounds perfect. And I really need to get myself caught up on his work. So I'm trying to think. Like, you said Moonrise was your favorite one. Yeah. If you had to pick a second one. <laughs> Fantastic Mr. Fox, probably. Yeah, yeah that's really fair. Yeah. So you, you It's see, actually really close between them. Yeah. I can totally understand. Does it, do you prefer his later work than, like, his earlier work, or...? Uh, well, Bottle Rocket is his very first mm-hmm. movie, and it's... Very, it's pretty different from the rest. I haven't seen his second movie, which is Rushmore. I've seen every other one of his movies. I think he has seven mm-hmm. total, so I've seen six of the seven. I haven't seen Rushmore. But Bottle Rocket is pretty different from the rest of his movies. It has some of the trademark Wes Anderson. Like, it's obviously a Wes Anderson movie, but it's not full Wes Anderson yeah. yet. Like, it has that kind of humor. It has that kind of feel to it. But, for instance, like, my personal favorite thing about Wes Anderson movies, it may sound trivial to... The listeners, <laughs> but to me, it's huge. Is I, I love the color palettes of his movies. Oh yeah, I love color in movies. That's one of my favorite things. And his his movies are so, the the colors are so beautiful. And uh, Bottle Rocket to me just doesn't have that really like the other ones mm-hmm. do. Not that it's ugly, but it's just nowhere near standout yeah. visually to me as his other films. Even though the story is super solid and the acting is great and all mm-hmm. that. Do you still yeah. think, like, in that movie, he was kind of developing his own style? And Maybe. I'd have out? to see it again. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a while. But yeah. So what's his... If you haven't seen it in the second one, which is Rushmore, what's the third one? Is like... Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Okay, and that one, do you think that's more fully formed yes. Wes Anderson? If anything, yeah. No, absolutely Royal Tenenbaums is as Wes Anderson as it gets. That might be, like, the quintessential <laughs> Wes Anderson movie, actually. Okay. Uh, that... That movie is really really good Mm -hmm. it's i have to see it again it's i watched it twice before and i it was that's that's the movie that i watched and i said okay like i love wes anderson i'm in i'm in yeah yeah. yeah. actually i think it was the first one i saw anyway now that no no it wasn't moonrise kingdom was the first one i saw i actually didn't like moonrise kingdom all that much the Mm -hmm. first time i saw it it was kind of right when i was getting into film and you know like any art form when you start to get into it like you as you acquire more and more of a taste, you appreciate it yeah, more of course. and more, and have such a and much deeper love for it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I just didn't really like Moonrise Kingdom all that much when I first saw it. I just didn't see the things that I see now. <laughs> but then, in retrospect, you go back like, oh, of course, this yeah. makes much more sense. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I love that movie to death, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm curious, you mentioned something about Wes Anderson's filmmaking with his color palettes and that. Yeah. Um, do you find that kind of skill or that kind of idea in other artists that can create film, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely, but but in very different ways. Mm-hmm. How like, so? Uh, well, just different, like, okay, Wes Anderson is the most brightly colored filmmaker I've ever seen, <laughs> for sure. Um. Like, okay, another filmmaker who I think has really gorgeous color palettes is um, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, mm-hmm. different Anderson. Uh, he, I've seen five of his movies. Uh, do you, Are you familiar with him? I know who he is. I don't think I'm as well-versed in his work as I am with Wes Anderson, which, did again, you, isn't much. But. Did you see his last few movies were Inherent Vice... Um, Was that the one with Joaquin Phoenix? Yes. Okay, I have not seen that, but I I know what you're talking about. <laughs> the movie before that was also with Joaquin Phoenix. That was The Master. Oh, yeah, that one. That one's... Oh, my God, that one's amazing. Yeah. That one's absolutely incredible. It's a, it's a mind-blowing movie. I mm-hmm. I love that movie. So I'm just curious, how did you stumble upon this movie? Did you already know about Paul Thomas Anderson then, or did it just happen to stumble upon no, this movie? No, this is how I found Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a... This, by the way, I love this movie. It's one yeah. of my favorite movies. No, it's I, beautifully it's, crafted. The cinematography, everything about it yeah. is absolutely incredible. Joaquin yeah. Phoenix does one hell of a job acting. Like he's he's yeah. an incredible actor, regardless. He's an amazing actor. But he really nails it with this one. Actually, you know, my favorite actor. When people ask me, I say I, I can't decide between Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> and Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> well, and then there you go. The, the, you know, the biggest actors in this movie. Um, but um, uh, what was the question? Oh, how did I find it? <laughs> yeah, this is actually a good uh. A good place where I can plug one of my <laughs> people that Go I really it. enjoy. Part of, a lot of why I got into movies is I found this movie channel that I really like and I highly recommend. It's called YMS, which mm-hmm. stands for YourMovieSucks.org. And you know, so it's 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 a, it's its own website, and he also puts the videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like two weeks later, so you have yeah. an incentive to go to the actual website. And uh, he's just a really really great film critic, and he's hilarious. And I normally don't read or look at criticism at all he's really actually the only critic i follow because mm-hmm. i just i just really like him and uh and he highly recommended this movie and so i it was at my library and i watched it actually another plug um the reason i could watch it is because i live in dupage I live oh really in, I live where do you live lombard oh i'm from carol stream i don't know where oh that it's is. sorry it's <laughs> sorry it's in dupage it's very close really anyway, yeah, it's, yeah. I live, okay I, I, I don't and my problem i actually have very, I I I actually am convinced there's something very wrong with my brain with the regards to lo- location and navigation. It's okay, so I need a GPS have, every time I, I, have, I drive. I have no conception of direction or place at all. It's yeah. it's or maybe not at all, but Don't like worry about it. it's crazy. So like you know, people will say I live in, I live in this place. And I'll be like, oh, cool. Where's that? You know, but um. Uh, so anyway, I, I live, I can, it takes me like 25 minutes to bike to the Glen Ellen Public yeah. Library, and the Glen Ellen Public Library is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It has, the the movie section is amazing. I can't believe how, like, they, like, the amount of people who actually watch all these movies, like, I, it can't be that many, so it must be just be some guy who's in charge of the movie section who's as passionate as us and just yeah. wants... And and knows that somewhere some kid, <laughs> some twenty year old kid is riding his bike there to exactly. watch the master. Exactly. You know? And so you know, I I'm going to this summer. I'm going to write them and say like, thank you, 
for this yeah. and like emphasize like what a huge change it was in my life because I don't know if I would have gotten into film if it weren't for that wow. library, you know, like like it it made available all this amazing art for me yeah. to get to. That's how I watched Moonrise Kingdom of too. Course. You know, that's uh that's that's how I watched all the Stanley Kubrick movies yeah. I've seen, which are you know, he's my favorite filmmaker ever. And mm-hmm. I could I could see all these movies because of the library and that's just a really good thing that they did that made that available. Of course. Everyone. Yeah, Support so. your local library, everybody. Yeah. Because, I mean, <laughs> please, like, what we're watching endorses local libraries. But, yeah, you should definitely go go support your local library. But, no, of course. Um, yeah. So that's how you came upon the master in the first place. Though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, that's, and then after I watched that, I said, you know, this director is amazing. I need yeah. to see more of his work. So I watched There Will Be Blood. Okay, of course. Which is also amazing. <laughs> you know? I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, another huge hitter, just yeah. steals the show. Absolutely. Amazing, yeah. He's so good. So I just feel like, you've, I'm just mentioning, yeah. Chris, you mentioned a lot of Artur filmmakers. Yeah. Like, does that seem to be where you fall in terms of filmmaking, or that's the kind of filmmaking you enjoy and want to emulate? Yeah, in in fact, like, it's weird that you say that, because, like, you're drawing attention to the fact that I, I never really thought about anything else, I guess. <laughs> like, like, to me, that's the most pure way to yeah. do it, is to... You know, to have one man who is this, or 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 a team, but like you know, or two people like the Cohen brothers or mm. the Darden brothers, but, but have like, like one singular one central vision yeah. that everything else turns around. And you know, you can have a really good writer write a really good script and then a really good director direct it, but uh, I feel like it just can't be the same. Mm-hmm. Like most of my favorite movies, if not all of them, are one or tour or a team like the Cohen brothers. Who, mm-hmm. who now, I'm just curious did, yeah. in something that's more kind of mainstream. Would you consider someone like Joss Whedon an auteur who does that Absolutely. kind of mainstream? But I well, I've the only things I've seen from him are the Avengers, mm-hmm. which I I mean I don't know for it. He did the best he could. <laughs> you didn't like the Avengers? I, I don't know. I'd have to see it again. But like I I definitely liked parts of it. Yeah. Like it, but you know it's just. I don't know. I'd have to see it again. But, but do you prefer something more like his TV work, which is very specific Firefly. to him? I love Firefly. Firefly mm. might be my favorite show. It's between Firefly and Twin Peaks. Okay. I, which is another very auteur-centric yeah, David, story. David Lynch. Of course. Is is uh, directing my favorite movie ever. Really? Which is that? Which, which was is that? Eraserhead. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. People. <laughs> That's funny that you say that makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm glad that it makes sense. I'm glad that I give off mm-hmm. that kind of personality. It's fine. Well, I mean, the only yeah. reason I'm saying this is because, like, everything we've talked about so far on the show has been, like, it's kind of gone back to your idea of, like, having that one central vision guiding yeah. everything. And so, like, it seems to me that all of this film that you love is very focused on, like, you know, the auteur, very specific kind yeah. of vision, you know. So, do you find something like Joss Whedon directing something that somebody else wrote is... Less so than, like, having their own particular vision? Less what? Or, like, you said that, like, something like an auteur version is very pure for filmmaking. Do you find it not so, like, if there's, like, a different writer and director? I I would say, well, okay, there's different relationships. Like, Mm -hmm. Joss Whedon directing, I mean, directing something that someone else wrote, I highly doubt he has a personal relationship with the people who wrote this Mm -hmm. like in fact with something like the avengers it's probably not even really one person who writes it it's probably a team of people Mm -hmm. who are mostly interested in making money and don't quote me on that because (laughs) i don't really specifically know about the avengers but that's just my guess Mm -hmm. you know is that's probably how it is because that's how it is with most mainstream movies i think and uh you know so 
I think there's a huge difference between that and someone who has a personal connection. I don't know. I guess it's hard to say because I think usually when a writer writes something, they relinquish it and then have some contact, but mostly just leave the director to do mm-hmm. to do what it what they'll do. Like the reason I'm saying that is uh, Paul Schrader. I think his name is Paul Schrader. Yeah, his Paul Schrader is the guy who wrote uh, Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. and Martin Scorsese directed it, and that's. Definitely one of my favorite movies that was not written and directed by the same person. And I think the reason it worked so well is because they had a chemistry. Yeah. And I don't think they really had a personal relationship. But actually, what I was originally going to say is that Paul Schrader said, you know, if you write a good movie, you should be able to write it and then let it go. Yeah. And let and let the director know and do his thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like occasionally, you know, you'll call the writer and ask his opinion or something. But... But I don't know. I could never do that. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't get that. I could I could conceivably see, like, if a good friend or someone I know or mm-hmm. have an artistic relationship with wrote something and then me directing it, I could see that because I have a personal chemistry with mm-hmm. them and I have an understanding. And you know how to work with them. Yeah, and even if I don't work with them on the directing of it itself, I could understand that just because I have a chemistry with the person and I feel like that would make it more authentic. So mm-hmm. in that, I think that would be more so than just, like, taking the script yeah, take an idea and just like doing whatever yeah, you especially a, a script that was formulated by a bunch of more or less i don't want to say business people but i get what you're almost saying almost business people yeah. yeah no i understand now you mentioned like the collaboration with someone for like taxi driver yeah what about like uh pulp fiction which is written by quentin Tarantino, and i believe david avery is the other guy who wrote roger avery. roger that's what yeah. i knew it was avery yeah. somewhere in there yeah but so what did you think of something like that where it's well, pulp fiction is interesting sorry i cut you off no go okay. for it no, no, i was done <laughs> oh okay it's interesting because pulp fiction unlike most movies is really kind of several not several but three or four stories just a bunch of vignettes yeah yeah yeah, tied together and that's part of what makes it very interesting and cool but i don't know if you know this but the what it is is the first so the first story not chronologically Mm -hmm. but in the movie is the story of mia wallace and uh vincent vincent vega taking her out Mm -hmm. and that's the first story in the movie the second story is um when they go and marcellus wallace getting a well yeah, Butch and Marcellus Wallace, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the third story is uh, Vincent Vega and Jules, and to tell you what that third story is about would spoil the biggest surprise in the whole movie. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm not gonna say that. But the of those three, Tarantino wrote the first and third, so the ones involving Vincent Vega and Jules. Roger Avery wrote the middle one involving Bruce Willis and Marcellus Wallace. Mm-hmm. And then I think Tarantino, or maybe both of them, tied them all together. Okay. Uh, so that's how it was done. And, yeah, so, th- no, I think it's pretty common. Actually, this is an interesting thing I've thought about that, I've, uh, it, that I, I think would be worth saying. is I've noticed it's very common for auteurs to write it with somebody else mm-hmm. and then direct it themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. Like Stanley Kubrick, who is my favorite filmmaker ever, did that consistently. He would he would write it with another writer and then direct it. And I, I feel like, in my mind, I imagine that's because maybe they feel like directing is more their thing mm-hmm. and and the, the writer people that they're working with are more so writers. Yeah. You know, yeah. Okay, that does make sense. Maybe, like, maybe. I don't know. No, that does make but, sense because they collaborate on the idea of creating the story and the basis. Right. But then the director does what mo- comes more naturally to him, which is, you know, the actual layout of the world, the right. creation, the direction, all that sort of stuff. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. 
So when you would create films, I don't know if you mentioned this already, but like, would you want to do both then, or would yeah. you just want to do the writing? Okay. I could conceive writing it with somebody else. And then but, directing but, it yourself? Yeah, but then I would have to direct it, yeah. Or I could even direct it with somebody else, actually. If I felt, if I felt that we both totally yeah. were on the same page and understood and wanted not exactly the same thing because no one can ever like but you know but the same vision the same vision yeah like the Cohen brothers exactly. have been described as two pe- as one person with two heads that makes perfect sense yeah it makes absolute <laughs> sense it, they, they, they and i feel like that totally i like especially your brother exactly. you know they're like 2 years apart or something I, a man you lived with since you were 2 years old like i imagine you they're going to know that person very yeah, well yeah you, you're going to yeah you're going to have great artistic chemistry with them yeah, yeah, so, like, I could definitely see that, but I probably wouldn't, just mm-hmm. because I, I don't know, like, the kinds of visions I have, I, I've just, not like I'm a special snowflake, but I've just <laughs> never met anyone else who has that same kind of, that particular kind of thing, not like no one else has, you know, interesting ideas, but no one else has that same idea, I don't know, so, like, I, I imagine that if this ever became a reality, I, it would just be me directing, but, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, I just had one more question for you. Okay. Um, you said that you're the president of the film club. So right. what was your desire and intention for... Uh, did you start the film club or did it already exist and you just kind of took over? It. Okay. So what was your goal in starting that? Well, the same thing as the Glen Ellen Public Library. Mm-hmm. The reason to I want to expose people to more film and specifically more good film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I want to incur- not encourage... Uh, I want to promote it as an art form. I, especially because film in particular, everyone sees painting as an art, everyone sees poetry as an art. A lot of people w- might say they see film as an art, but in a, lo- a lo- I th- in a lot of ways, I think they just kind of think of it as entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to maybe promote it more as an art form and have people really get more appreciation from it. And also, you know, by making the movie club, I'm creating a community for people like us who care yeah. about it, who can talk about it. You know, because a huge part of getting into it is, you know, having, like, wasn't that great? Oh, I love that part, you know? <laughs> it's the discussion. It's the discussion, yeah. Yeah. So, that's what I hope for movie club. Nice. Yeah. That's actually really awesome to build a community of people who share the same goals and a love for film. And, yeah. Like, just fostering that kind of love for this wonderful art form. That's a Thanks. really, that's a really noble goal. And I'm, go, I support you, man. Good for it. That's Thanks, awesome. <laughs> so what I like to do, since we're kind of coming to the end of our episode here, is that at the end of every week, I like to, you know, have a recommendation for what, what you and I would recommend for our audience as they go into the week. So, Beck, what's your recommendations for our audience this week? could be anything. <clears throat> okay, does it have to be something that's in theaters? Not necessarily. It could be just whatever you want. Okay. Um, what do they need this week? Man, that's such a... I know, it's a big a, question. It's a big question. Well, yesterday I saw a movie, and it, my guess is you probably won't be able to see it in theaters, actually, because I think it's nearing the end of its life in theaters, mm-hmm. but it's I saw this movie Green Room. Oh, yes, with Patrick Stewart. Yeah, did you see that? I have not, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I loved it to death. And so I would highly recommend that to anybody who likes thrillers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, what, what can you, for all audience out there, can you tell us a little about that movie? Just, like, kind of know. Okay. Uh, now, unfortunately, like, I, I'm really tempted to tell what the basic premise is. But like a lot of movies, like the the premise is such a shock yeah. that like it would much, be much better to go into it not knowing it. Uh, so 
it's about a punk band, a poor punk rock band. It's present day. It's like a bunch of you know people our age, like twenty year olds or whatever, and they're in this punk band called the Ain't Right, mm-hmm. and uh, they go to this show, and it falls. It basically it's it's ridiculous that, that it got. There was some bullshit happening, and so the guy who set them up said, I'm, "I've got. I'm gonna set you up with this new show, but it's with these these skinhead types, these kind of yeah, the in there, you know, these ultra left guys, and yeah. they're, and they're like, are they Nazis? No, they're not Nazis, but they're they're kind of Nazis. They're kind of Nazis, <laughs> more or less. Like to 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 white people like us, they're basically Nazis, mm. like or white people like us who are you know yeah." Yeah, not <laughs> racist. Um, yeah, so they go to this venue, and they see something they shouldn't see. That's as much as I'll say. Let's just say shit happens. Shit happens, yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to describe that movie. Yeah. So, is that still in theaters, you said, or is it just kind of in, in limited release? I saw it yesterday. It, oh, I mean, it's already not that widely mm-hmm. released, just because it's... The small, it's A24, which is a big, which is not not big, but like they are yeah. famous for more doing low key movies. So I totally get you. Yeah. Okay. I don't really know anything about A24, but well, I know yeah, so if you can't see it in theaters, mm-hmm. it, it'll probably still be in theaters today. But uh, if you <laughs> depending can, on when you're listening to this, of course. Right. Yeah. We're, we're uh, yeah. So <laughs> if you can, I'd recommend seeing that. Of course. Sounds good. I'm trying to think what I would recommend right now. There's a whole lot I could recommend. Uh, obviously, go watch everything that we've talked about in this film. I mean, this, that film, but this <laughs> podcast today, you know, go see, you know, tons of Quentin Tarantino, Wes Anderson, all these auteur filmmakers. If you've enjoyed anything that we've talked about here today, please go check out these uh, these incredible filmmakers. You'll really love what you see. Trust me, I guarantee that. Um, but in terms of films that are like either out right now or things that I can recommend, you know what? I'm going to go very mainstream and say go see Captain America Civil War because that looks awesome and I'm really, really excited. I think I'm going to go see it later today with some friends and I'm a huge comic book fan as anybody who's listened to the show before knows. Huge Marvel, DC, all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I'm really excited to see where that movie takes us and it'll be great to see Captain America and Iron Man going down on the big screen. So yeah, um, very mainstream compared to Beck's choice, but (laughs) please. Go see it. I'm really excited for it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's it. So, um, Beck, thank you so much for joining us here today. This was a lot of fun thank having you. you on. You know, hopefully, thank you for having I, me. no problem. I hopefully I can have you on as a guest maybe next semester or something like that. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here. This is a lot of fun. And yeah, um, basically, you can check us all out on WRBU The Edge every week here at 5 to 6 p.m. Or you can check us out on SoundCloud and on iTunes for our podcast edition every Saturday. And yeah, what I like to do every week is I like to kind of just lead us out with a song. So basically, because we've been talking about our tours here today, um, I just wanted to play the song uh, Freedom from the movie Django Unchained. Because um, I love Quentin Tarantino, and it's a Quentin Tarantino film, and I just figured it'd be appropriate. And it's a really pivotal moment in the movie, so um, yeah, we're going to write out on that. I'll see you all next week here on What We're Watching. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Yeah.